The Father initiates, the Son creates, but the Holy Spirit animates. And the Holy Spirit is the one who brings things to life. Hey, hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Loop Community Podcast. What's going on, guys? This is Jansen. Good to see you, Jansen. Nice to be here. My name is Matt McCoy. And hey, it's good to have you here with us on this podcast. We've got an awesome, very deep, intellectual interview today. I'm super excited about this. And it's with my good friend, Gabe Finocchio. Gabe is just a brilliant guy and such a fun character. And uh, he's been a good friend. We met at a church that we were leading worship together at. And uh, he's also a great songwriter, and he's in a band called The Royal Royal, which if you haven't heard them, you should get on Spotify right now. I'm not even joking. You should pause this podcast. They are so good. Go to Spotify, look up The Royal Royal, and it is just super fresh worship music that it's just different. It's just, it's not, it doesn't sound like everything else. Yeah. His voice is like honey butter. His voice is, yeah, awesome. I don't even know how to describe it. It's like amazing. Yeah. I, it's my favorite album that came out this year. And it's not just because he's a good friend. It really is, I think, a great album. It's called Rococo. But anyways, as well as being a songwriter and a musician, Gabe is also just an avid reader. And uh, he studies God's word. He studies G.K. Chesterton and, you know, great minds that have gone before us that talk about just theology and what it means to be a Christian and all that, all that stuff. And I love my conversations with Gabe because it really, I walk away with a lot of stuff to think about. And uh, so we captured a little bit of that. I have a conversation here with Gabe where we're talking about the Holy Spirit, which is a topic that isn't talked about a lot. Um, But, you know, we thought it was important and I thought it'd be fun for you guys to kind of get your minds blown a little bit. Let's do it. So let's jump right into this interview with Gabe Finocchio. Sometimes people grew up in, in churches where all they do is just talk about God, but they never actually talk about who God is. Uh, but they'll say God a lot um, and never go deeper than that. Well, we, we believe in God, but we also believe that he's three persons. What we can sometimes do is pick and choose which person we like best <laughs> and perhaps focus on that one. But at the same time, I want to understand the Trinity <laughs> and, I, and I care about the Trinity. I will just say this, that one of the things that has, has really helped me recently is understanding um, the, in the nature of the Trinity the closest person to us in the Trinity is the Holy Spirit. And this comes from our theology of the Holy Spirit that's really pointed out in, in some of the most basic ways uh, from the beginning of our, our faith 2,000 years ago. I mean, the Nicene Creed, um, the Nicene Creed is, is, you know, 1,700 years old, and it says that the Holy Spirit is the Lord. So when you say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want... Well, that you're you're actually talking about the Holy Spirit there. The Lord, He is your shepherd. You shall not want. So, 
uh, we're supposed to call the Holy Spirit Lord. This is in the Nicene Creed. He's the giver of life. So the Holy Spirit gives us life. He, he, in, in him and through him, we are born again. We're born in the Spirit. He is the giver of our new life. And so he gives us this whole new identity in Christ. And this is where Paul says the Spirit uh, wars against the flesh and the flesh wars against the Spirit. He's talking about your new man, the new creation. If you are in Christ, you are a new creation. Well, who makes you the new creation? The Holy Spirit. He's the giver of life. He proceeds from the Father and the Son together, and he comes from the Father, and he comes from the Son. Now, this is also a point to, to emphasize here. So, so you have the first point is that the Holy Spirit's the Lord. The second point is that he's the giver of life. The third point is that he comes from the Father and the Son. And the reason why I say, I think the reason, one of the big reasons for the Nicene Creed to say that is that when Jesus died, Jesus went into heaven after he rose again. He, he, he died, he rose again, and then he ascended into heaven. That's the order of procession. Now, when Jesus goes up into heaven, he's gone. <laughs> there's no Jesus. Does that make sense? Like, right. there's no divine person who is moving and, you know, animating and, and initiating and creating life on the earth. There's no kingdom. There's no king uh, to rule a kingdom. Right. And Jesus because, has, and because he said I'm leaving you with my spirit. Well, that's the whole thing. Is that what he says to us? What he says to the disciples is he says wait in Jerusalem. So they had this is an important point. They had the gospel. They had the gospel, but they they still were told to wait. <laughs> so the point is that sometimes you know, we can get the gospel right in that sense. We can believe in Jesus. We can be saved in that sense. But it's actually when we when we begin to walk in the Holy Spirit and with the Holy Spirit that that we are able to not only um, extend the kingdom of God and preach the kingdom of God properly uh, and build the church, which is the kingdom. But really, we can be the church. We can, we can actually have this transformative power. And that's why in Romans chapter 8, uh, Paul says, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. The whole point is that you can, you, it's not just about being in Christ, it's also about walking in the Spirit. And this is what a lot of people miss, is that the Holy Spirit is the closest person to us in the Trinity. He is the presence and the power of God in our lives. And that whole procession of Christ ascending and then the, the Holy Spirit descending, that begins the whole activity and the whole life of the church. Oh yeah, and the Nicene Creed also says that the Holy Spirit is supposed to be worshipped and glorified. <laughs> how many worship songs do we have to the worship to the Holy Spirit? You know, right. how many how many songs glorify the Holy Spirit that we sing? Only um, a handful. Only a handful, really. Yeah, Nathan, it's all God, Jesus, Lord. Well, yeah, it's it's lifting up the name of Jesus. It's worshiping the Father. But there's hardly. I mean, if you told someone, 
uh, we're supposed to worship the Holy Spirit. We're supposed to glorify the Holy Spirit. You know, they might look at you like you have three heads or something. Do you know what I mean? Like, right. It's 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 one of those things where the Holy Spirit has has, in my opinion, been so taken for granted um, in in modern worship and in and uh, in in many ways modern theology outside of Pentecostalism. I think that that's part of the reason why uh, we see a lot of, of empty churches and empty uh, movements and empty theology. I've kind of gotten into like a little three-part, um, you know, Rick Warren-esque type of, of phrase where I, I, I always say the, the Father initiates, the Son creates, but the Holy Spirit animates. And the Holy Spirit is the one who brings things uh, uh, to life. In that sense, He animates. He, you know, uh, he, he breathe, He's the breath of God into the the body, and He's the one who who breathes on our our spiritual life. And He is that grace that empowers and enables us and so and and enables us to live and move and and breathe and so yeah so are you saying that it's possible that maybe one of the reasons why you know christians aren't experiencing the breakthroughs that they need to in their life it's because they're not acknowledging the holy spirit many times um people say well you know this is the way i am this is the way i am and i can't change well in christ we're born again in christ we are we are a new creation Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So the Holy Spirit gives us this new identity that is in Christ, but it, it, is, it is a born-again experience of separating your new self in Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit from your old self, which is who you formerly were, with all of that person um, separated in all of his sin— and your new person is supposed to be, you're supposed to be walking in that new person, understanding. So that first bit, many people don't even make that distinction in their lives, that, that there's an old person to them, <laughs> that there's an old way of thinking, that there's an old way of acting, there's an old way of doing things. Um, so that first one is really crucial, but that first one only comes by understanding what the Holy Spirit does in you. He, he actually... Uh, uh, animates this new person inside of you in Christ. And so that's the first distinction. And then the second one is understanding that when, when he does that, and you are born again, and you are, you are a new creation in Christ, it's also important to understand that he's with you, that, he, you, that you are not alone in this newness of life, that his life is dedicated, the Holy Spirit is dedicated to making you holy. His job is to make you holy. And what that means, really, is that he's supposed to make you like Jesus. Because many times we're born in the Spirit, and we're trying to live this new life, and we're thinking to ourselves, my God, I suck. And you're looking at Jesus, who's perfect, who's never made a mistake, and you're like, how do I get from here, which is really crappy and really sucky, to there, which is perfection and flawlessness and Christ himself? How do I get, you know, I, I understand that, that Christ, you know, unites me into the family of God, that Christ brings me into relationship with the Father, that Christ justifies me. But how do I get past justification? 
<laughs> how do I get into some, something called sanctification where my life is being changed, where my thoughts and my impulses and my desires are, are actually changing and I'm becoming a different person that I'm not responding the same way I did before? How does that take place? And I really believe so. I believe that Christ is the bridge to the Father through justification. But I really believe that the Holy Spirit is the bridge to Christ through sanctification. And in that sense, the Holy Spirit, um, he comes alongside of you. And in the, in the Greek, when Jesus calls the Holy Spirit the comforter, that Greek word is parakletos. He, he is the paraclete. He, it's like the word parallel. And he comes along, he's one who comes alongside of us. And every single day of our lives, the Holy Spirit is there with us. When we wake up in the morning, the Holy Spirit is with us in bed. When we roll over in the morning, we say, good morning, Holy Spirit. You know, when we roll over at night, we say, good night, Holy Spirit. And, and that is his job. His job is to make us more aware of his presence so that we have more access to his power. And the point is that um, he bridges the gap between us and Jesus. Jesus bridges the gap between us and the Father, but the Holy Spirit bridges the gap between us and Christ. And he is the person whose exclusive job is to sanctify us, <laughs> to make us holy. So again, this is to boil it down to a very practical point. We should never think that we're alone. We should never think that when we're walking down the street at night, there's nobody with us. No, the Holy Spirit's with you. We should never think that if you're going through a breakup with a girlfriend or boyfriend, or if, you, if you're single, and uh, like myself, you've been single for uh, 33 years, um, <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's encouraging to understand that we are actually not alone. We live, move, and breathe with the person of the Holy Spirit who's with us every single day, and He is guiding us, He is leading us. We can speak to Him, we can pray to Him, with Him, and He prays for us and intercedes on our behalf when we can't. He functions to give us not just gifting, because He does give us gifts. He gives us wonderful gifts, gifts of prophecy, gifts of, of speaking in tongues, gifts of um, miracles. Uh, but but he, so he not but he doesn't just give us gifts. He gives us something better. He gives us his fruit. He gives us virtue. The Book of Romans says that the love of God is poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. He is. Uh, I love what Saint Thomas Aquinas says. Saint Thomas Aquinas says that the Holy Spirit is love. He is the love of God, and in that sense, you can. You can put, every time you read the word love in scripture, you can actually just insert the person of the Holy Spirit. And you can just say, you know, uh, what shall separate me from the love of God? What shall separate me from the Holy Spirit? Nothing. <laughs> Nothing can separate me from the Holy Spirit. He is with me and he is in me and he is moving on me and he's pouring his love. He's pouring his grace, which is just his power, his enablement into my life helping me, changing me. It's not by my power, but it's by the Holy Spirit that I am changed and that I'm made more like Jesus. And so, and in terms of who we are right now, it needs to be sanctified. It needs to be cleansed. It needs to be worked on. We're a project and the Holy Spirit's in it for the long haul. And he is the love of God for us, with us, always 
uh, even in us. Paul writes to first Corinth, the first Corinthian church and, and, and he says, hasn't anybody told you that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? That you, you carry, you're not just a carrier of the Holy Spirit actually, but you're a transporter of the Holy Spirit. You carry him with you wherever you go. It's not just in church that the Holy Spirit is, is, is in you and is moving on you. It's when you walk out of church, you're transporting the presence of God to other people. It's amazing. Right. So how do you acknowledge the Holy Spirit in your life? You know, if someone is feeling like they've, you know, for lack of a better word, quenched it or ignoring it and wants more of it, like how, what's a way that you can acknowledge the Spirit? Yeah, that's that's a really big one. I was guilty of this for years, many years in my 20s, actually. I, I think I just, I was definitely guilty of quenching the Holy Spirit. So that's a real thing. It can actually happen. It totally happens. Now, I don't think quenching the Holy Spirit is is identical to sinning against the Holy Spirit. I think that those two things need to be separated. When When we say quenching the Holy Spirit, what I think that means is, I think it's the same thing as, as ignoring the Holy Spirit. It would be the same relational equivalent of never answering mail from a friend or never responding to a text message from a good friend or, or from a family member. You know, my mom texts me probably 10 times a day and it's usually completely useless information, but I, I still love it because she's my mom. And so I always try to answer her whenever I can and not quench that relationship. So the whole point is that the Holy Spirit's constantly trying to reveal himself to us as, as he is a person. He is the third person of God. And in that sense, he is constantly trying to talk to us constantly trying to lead us and guide us, but we can shut him down. We can just not answer his text messages. <laughs> and we can, just, we can just leave all those text messages and emails from him piled up um, and unread and unacknowledged. And that, I believe, is how you quench the Holy Spirit. It's when you're no longer, again, it's when you're no longer in relationship in an intimate sense. The scripture constantly says, walk in the spirit, walk in the spirit. So it's, again, it's pointing to this relationship where it's back to the garden where God walked with Adam. You walk in the Holy Spirit, you walk with God through the person of the Holy Spirit, and it is meant to be a walk. It's meant to be a daily walk, a daily thing as you mature, as you grow into maturity in Christ. You're doing it by walking with your uh, your God, walking with the Holy Spirit. And it's, it's amazing because the Holy Spirit gives us impulses. And I think that um, if he's encouraging us to maybe turn off uh, Drake and put on Jesus culture, I think that's a good idea. I don't have anything against Drake for, uh, as a person or an artist. But I just think we're bombarded with music. We're bombarded with entertainment. We're bombarded with news. We're bombarded with social media. And I think the Holy Spirit is, is actually trying to bombard us with uh, his presence, his messages. And so I find... Right. Encouraging us to walk in the Spirit. Encouraging us to walk in the Spirit. So many times what it will look like on a practical level is turning off uh, your phone and, and sitting down and picking up a devotional, picking up a book that's going to encourage you in your faith, or listening to a podcast, you know, 
turning turning your phone back on, <laughs> but turning it on not to check your Instagram you know status or scroll endlessly through other people's Instagrams, but actually to put on a podcast by a preacher by a church to be edified to be built up in your spirit. Something I've been practicing the past week or so is just when I wake up in the morning, just to say you know hello Holy Spirit and acknowledge and welcome you know His presence in my life. Yes. Yes. It's massive. I love that, Matt. And I also, I love that you've been doing it for a week because I do like ritual. I think ritual helps us to stay on track. A lot of people who hate ritual, but I always, I always ask them if they celebrate their birthday every year. (laughs) (laughs) And and when it comes to birthdays, we all seem to be super ritualistic. You know what I mean? It's like everybody for their birthday wants everything over the top, don't they? You know? But, but then they'll hate on ritual for other things. And honestly, I, I do think it's a good ritual to acknowledge the Holy Spirit's presence every morning. It's almost like praying the Our Father. You know, when, when Jesus taught us, the church, to pray vicariously through the disciples, he gave us a very basic outline that almost covers everything. <laughs> and in that sense, uh, you know, we, we are to pray and use that that prayer as a ritual of prayer. And it helps us in that sense. And so, Well, so to go along with that, do we pray to the Holy Spirit? Absolutely. I think you can pray to the Holy Spirit. I think you can pray to Jesus. And I think you can pray to the Father. I think that Jesus taught us to pray to the Father. Again, it's it's keeping truth in tension. I started out by saying that we have to keep truth in tension. And so praying to the Father does not mean we can't pray to Jesus. <laughs> it, it also doesn't mean to pray to Jesus doesn't mean that we can't pray to the Holy Spirit. So I think that, again, we have to understand that we have a God who is a family. We have a God who is three persons. The Holy Spirit's job is to make you more like Jesus. So what that means is, you know, sometimes we can get, and I know I I, I touched on this earlier, sometimes people can get really weird in their relationship with the Holy Spirit because I was raised charismatic and I know I've met a bunch of people who, who, you know, say that the Holy Spirit told them to like bark like a dog or to go and buy a a candy bar, you know? And the Holy Spirit doesn't do that. (laughs) I'm sorry. You know, uh, the Holy Spirit's job is to impart virtue into your your spirit, into your um, soul. Right. And transform you into the image of Christ. And so that is his job, to make you holy. And he will give you grace to do that, and he will give you truth to do that. He will give you grace, he'll give you the power and the ability and the energy to do that, and then he'll give you the the truth to do that. He'll lead you in light. He'll give you good sound doctrine. He'll lead you into good theology. He'll give you wisdom. You know, And that combination of grace and truth will help to transform you. I remember hearing you talk about one time about, you know, the story of Jesus being led into the wilderness and the balance of grace and truth in that story. Totally. Can you share a little bit about that? Well, yeah. Before Jesus goes into the wilderness, he, he's baptized. So in that sense, he's given this commissioning, uh, you could say, of ministry and the, the Holy Spirit descends upon him as in the form of a dove. But then when the Holy Spirit descends upon him in his baptism, he is then led into opposition. He's led into the wilderness. <laughs> it's a really fun thing. I mean, to think about it, because we all want to be led by the Spirit of God. We're like, oh God, lead me, you know, lead me 
and and we, we we know we write songs and he calling me out upon the water you know like all <laughs> kind of fun things like who wouldn't want to walk on water i would absolutely like to walk on water i'd like to fly you know with, with, on on eagle's wings you know we always think that the holy spirit's going to lead us into disney world and and show you know like <laughs> sing, sing that song as as we're on the magic carpet ride i can show you the world like that's the holy spirit's relationship with us he's the magic carpet and he is he is there to lead us and guide us but in this case he actually led and guided jesus into a very desolate hurtful disastrous negative place that was not where we would like to go it was definitely it had nothing to do with the american dream and it was a place of testing it was a place of of trial it was a time where jesus faced not only opposition from the devil but real opposition from himself where jesus himself was tempted and tested and tried many times we uh, look at all the opposition as outside of us, external opposition, you know, where we'll blame systemic issues uh, in government as the problem, or we'll blame the devil as the problem. But there's also the internal enemy of ourselves. There's the internal enemy of the flesh. And so uh, Jesus was tempted by all of those things. He was tempted by the world. He was tempted by the devil. But most of all, he was tempted by himself. He was, he was hungry. And he was fasting during this time. And the devil comes and says, hey, here's some bread. And he's tempting, he's tempted himself by this. But it's fascinating. So the Holy Spirit leads him into the wilderness by grace and then shows him how to overcome temptation. He overcomes temptation by speaking the word. He, he overcomes temptation by speaking what is true. And that is also the power of the Holy Spirit. I should say the influence of the Holy Spirit, I believe, not just leading him and guiding him and keeping him in grace, but also giving him truth. And this beautiful tension is seen in that picture where uh, Jesus is led into the wilderness by grace and sustained by grace, but he's also able to not just dwell, but overcome and really destroy opposition and grow in the spirit by the truth that he speaks when the devil tempts him when when his flesh tempts him when the world is uh, the kingdoms of the world are offered to him he speaks truth and that is the key when we understand truth we are set free and we use truth really to kill the lie to kill the error that causes us to live in darkness truth is this light that pierces through the darkness and so in that sense, he finishes, he overcomes temptation. And then the Bible says that he was led up out of the wilderness in power, in the power of the spirit. And so this is how we, we actually go from glory to glory. We go from glory to glory by actually winning battles. And each battle that we win, we get stronger because we've relied on the grace and the truth given to us by the Holy Spirit to overcome. And so it's an awesome thing. When we are really walking in the Spirit, it's all the Spirit's activity. Even the things that we do are the result of the provenient grace and truth of the Holy Spirit. And it's, it's, it's an awesome, awesome picture of how we ourselves can be like Christ. Right. It's not all truth, not all grace. The Holy Spirit's empowering you to embrace and speak the truth. 
Yes. Well, e- exactly. And it's important to make that distinction that grace and truth are two different things. The grace bit was when he was baptized and the Holy Spirit came upon him and led him into the wilderness and really sustained him in this supernatural way to fast for 40 days. Now, fasting for 40 days without any uh, food, it's a supernatural fast. And that, that supernatural fast that Jesus was on is indicative. It, it suggests and implies that this supernatural activity of grace is going on because the Holy Spirit was upon him. So he had to, he didn't have to just deal with the grace bit, but the grace actually helped him to live in truth, to walk in truth. Because many times in our lives, we can know the truth, we can know the right thing to do, but, but not have the power. We don't really feel that presence and that power and that grace to be able to do it. And the Holy Spirit's there for grace. But also, on the other end of the spectrum, we we feel the Spirit, we feel the grace, we have the energy, but we actually don't know what to do. (laughs) We don't actually have the Word dwelling in us richly, and we don't know the truth. We don't know the truth about certain topics and certain subjects and certain issues. And so, so the grace is actually almost, it's almost being wasted. It's being wasted on our minds that have not been renewed in truth. And, and this transformation, again, this transformation that takes place in the Christian's life, it goes, you know, Romans chapter 12 it says, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed or transfigured, metamorphosized by the renewing of your mind. So you're not transformed by going to a worship service. <laughs> you're not transformed by an emotional experience that you just had. You cry and you rejoice and you go to the church and you go to worship and you worship because you're being transformed, not as means of transformation. The transformation happens, again, when your mind is renewed, when the way that you, very way that you think, you no longer think the way that you you used to think, and you begin to believe in truth. This is how your mind is renewed. And again, it's the, the grace of God is to enable all of these things to happen. But if Romans chapter 12 is right, we are renewed, we are transformed and transfigured into the image of Christ by the renewing of our mind. And we renew our mind as the Holy Spirit leads us and guides us into truth, as, as Jesus promised he would. So, Why do you think that this is really important for worship leaders? This is big because we're not transformed by a worship service. Um, the worship service is a outworking of the inner transformation that's already going on inside of us. <laughs> so many times we turn work, we can easily turn, look to worship services as means of transformation or kind of using worship experiences as these mystical moments of divine, you know, open heaven grace or something like that. And the truth is, is we don't worship God and glorify God in pursuit of some mystical transformative moment. We worship God and glorify his name because our lives have been changed and transformed because our minds have been renewed, because we're not the same people. <laughs> so this this transformation that is ongoing Monday to Saturday, when we come into church on Sunday, 
all we're doing on Sunday is just lifting his name up and glorifying him and praising him for what's been going on in our lives Monday to Saturday. <laughs> or at least what should be going on in our lives Monday to Saturday. But I think that as worship leaders, we have to be aware that like it's truth that transforms people. And so maybe it's even a, more of an important thing to say, you know, when you're writing songs as a worship leader or a worship songwriter, you know, the truth matters because it changes people's, it renews people's minds. And, and I will say this, like as a worship leader growing up in the church, leading worship, it's easy to go through the motions and your personal life is not necessarily connected to what's going on on stage. And, you know, I will say that, like, when you walk in the spirit, you will notice yourself caring much more about the secret place, caring much more about cultivating relationship with the Holy Spirit, rather than just cultivating your, your skill on the guitar or your skill in singing or even your skill in songwriting. When you have a spirit-filled life, you will have spirit-filled worship. And I will even say that if you look at some of the main worship movements that have come out, like Hillsong, like Jesus Culture, like Elevation, like Bethel, over the last couple decades, this massive worship movement that even began with guys like Kent Henry and others in the early 90s and late 80s, the truth is, is that these people are all spirit-filled people and, uh, and really come from a strong emphasis uh, a strong tradition of emphasis on the Holy Spirit with a strong theological mind for the Holy Spirit. And I don't think it's a coincidence that that's the case. I don't think it's a coincidence that Spirit-filled churches produce Spirit-filled worship. And, um, and I think it's actually awesome that, that that's the case. And I think that danger of evangelical churches is when they see Spirit-filled worship and they see these amazing movements of God, of the Holy Spirit, um, in other churches. They begin to copy it, but only they only copy the exterior portion with the lights and the sound and the music and some of the words and things like that. And they miss the, the actual secret to it, which is the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. I, I mean, here's the thing. I was going to tell you what I really thought about all that, but... <laughs> Just, there just wasn't enough time. I was hoping you could expound on it a little bit more. <laughs> I always love hearing your thoughts about these types of things. And um, this one's an important one. Yes, this one I think is one of the most important ones next to the gospel, uh, next, to, next to the person of Jesus and, you know, the saving power of Christ. Right. It's the sanctifying power of the Holy Spirit. And we need that because our call is to perfection. And our call is to be holy. And the Holy Spirit's job is to make us holy. So, yeah. And we so easily just forget that part of it, that part of the Trinity, we forget. Yeah. We, we, it's easy to forget the Holy Spirit and to assume his presence and to assume his power and to assume, you know, what's going on. And I, I'm guilty of it. I'm guilty of quenching the Holy Spirit. I'm guilty. Like I said, you know, I grew up in a great spirit filled home. But on my own, living on my own in my mid-20s, I definitely think I was very, uh, I just began to take it for granted. And it's just been a reawakening in my life Right. that's been powerful and profound. And I think that it's always meant to be that way. Well, it's interesting because I think there's just so much emphasis in the church of, you know, getting the word, you know, getting a small group, you know, be praying and be, you know 
tithing and but there's not a lot of talk about hey be seeking like the holy spirit and the power that is offered to you through that right well and and especially i would even say seeking personalities instead of the person of the holy spirit so many times we gather around a personality like you know uh, if you have a pastor who's an amazing preacher and every single sunday you just go to hear him preach you're gathering around a personality. You're not gathering around the person of the Holy Spirit. Right. Which is what will actually really change you inside. Right. Your relationship with the Holy Spirit is much more important than your than your relationship with a personality. Even with another person. I would even say that, you know, like your relationship. Okay, here we go. Your relationship with the Holy Spirit is more important than your relationship with your spouse. <laughs> and I, Whoa. I I know that that's, I know that that sounds like I just basically uh, blasphemed, but I really believe that if you develop your relationship with the Holy Spirit, you'll actually probably find that your relationship with your spouse uh, is, is better than ever. Um, but I just, I don't, I, I think that sometimes we treat people as substitutes for the Holy Spirit and we're seeking in relationships with people. The relationship that we should have with the person of the Holy Spirit, which is the person of God. And I really think that we always have to be sensitive to this. And um, if we're going to be spirit-filled and spirit-led, we have to be spirit-sensitive. Wow. That's so good. That's such a good, encouraging word. Thanks, man. Awesome. Well, thank you uh, for having me on, dude. I love you and I love Loop Community. So. Love you, man. Hey, where can people check out your music if they want to hear more? If you'd like to hear more, we're on Spotify. I I believe we have some lyric videos on YouTube that are fun and iTunes. And um, yeah, we're trying to put a tour together and you you might see us um, at your local city. Awesome. So yeah, get their new album by the Royal Royal called Rococo. We also have all the master multi-track stems at Loop Community. So make sure you check that out. You'll really love their music. They've got really a fresh sound and great songwriting. And most of all, these guys are, you know, spirit-filled. And you can just hear that in their music and their lyrics and in their voices. And so check it out. Love you, Gabe. We'll talk to you later, man. Thanks, Matt. Love you too. This is Community Talk. Whoa. Wow. Mind equals blown. Boom. Yeah. Jansen, you know, as you heard that interview, what were some thoughts, you know, that you had as as you listened to that? So I actually have studied a lot too. C.S. Lewis is my favorite author and I have a lot of theology and Bible college background. So I was able to relate to him a lot with the things that he was saying and what he studied and appreciate that. And I think I've kind of have five thoughts from the whole thing that I really drew from. So the first you know, he mentions like we pick and choose which part of the Trinity <laughs> that we want to relate to. Right. So I think for me growing up, it's been in stages, right? So like the first step for me was, was Jesus, right? That was the purpose of salvation. I came to know who he was and who I was. Yep. And then it gets into more of like God, right? So you study creation and why we're here and blah, yeah. blah, blah. And then it kind of stops. Like you understand that yeah. there's a third member. You never really... You kind of forget. Yeah. And I don't, I don't think churches do a great job in the large scale of like helping the body relate to the Holy Spirit. Right. right. How to navigate that, what it looks like, what's safe, what's not. Yep. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, totally. I think that I, lo- I thought that point was really interesting and it's something that's not talked about. 
Because like, I think when I've even like, think about my prayers, most of the time I'm like, God, this, God, that. Right. God, in Jesus name. Yeah. Or in Jesus name. And I'm like, wait, where's the Holy Spirit? I'm like leaving him out. Yeah. And uh, it's just interesting because it's like, well, but the Holy Spirit is who's with me now. Right. I think it's funny too with that. It, we shy away from it, but we're still, as Christians, we still want to boast about the Trinity, right? We believe in God the Father. We believe in God the Son. We believe in the Holy Spirit. Yeah. The three in one, the right. Trinity, right? That's even great song lyrics. But I don't, I honestly like, it's a challenge for me. Yeah. To to get to that part of the Trinity and say, reveal to me. Yeah. You know, give me wisdom about who you are and how the Holy Spirit is supposed to work in my life. Yeah. And why is it that it almost feels weird? I know. I think that's the reason it's not talked about. It's like yeah. almost like the word Holy Spirit. Yeah. <laughs> Just thinking it and talking about it, like people I think feel weird about it. Yeah. Totally. So it's like, well, I don't know if we should go there because maybe it's controversial or maybe it's, you know, there's some abuse, <laughs> you know, that said this is the Holy Spirit. Absolutely. And it's not in... It's easy to it's easy to take that for granted and run with it how you want and then kind of make the Holy Spirit do or say what you feel like he's going to do or say. Right. You know what I mean? Right. And so people just there it's really hard to sediment that, you know. And this is what a friend of mine always says like you should be fully willing to follow the Holy Spirit and then use scripture as bumper rails. Yes. So whatever's happening in your life it could be the Holy Spirit, but use the scripture as a bumper rails to make sure like hey, this is happening. If it is, it should line up with scripture. Right. If not, then there's probably something else at work. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes, exactly. To go along with that, something Gabe said that actually didn't make it in this interview was he talked about a river. And if you picture like a river that's flowing, so even think about like the river of God, like mm-hmm. or even just, just think of a river for right now, a river that's flowing, if it's flowing like it should and normal, it brings life to all the towns along that river. Right. But what is a river without riverbanks? What happens? It's a flood. It's a flood, yeah. Floods bring destruction. Right. And like you just said, scripture is meant to be guardrails. Right. It's meant to be those riverbanks that keep... So yeah, we want the river flowing. Totally. But there has to be some sort of protection because if if there's no rules, if there's no guardrails, it's a flood and it ends up being destructive instead of bring life. Cool. So that was like one big, big thing. Um, The next thing kind of ties into it a little bit. He mentions the Nicene Creed a lot. And uh, it's a good thing. You should Google that and just read through it like the you know, Apostolic Creed or the Nicene Creed. It's re- those are really good. But uh, how the Holy Spirit is much more relatable than we realize. We kind of already hit this, but I think it's important to note like the Holy Spirit is supposed to be like a deep relationship, right? It's not some like ghost thing that's floating around and we can't, you know, understand. Like he's supposed to be the comforter and he's supposed to be the one that like helps us navigate life. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Right, right. Right. None of us have seen God. None of us have seen Christ. So like the Holy Spirit to the church has been given as our guider right. and provider and comforter. And and I think how much we lack because we don't know how to navigate a relationship with them. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's good. Cool. So that's kind of tied into like the first yeah. point, number one, number two. But number three, I think it hit me like a brick. When Jesus ascends after the, so he died, he was buried and actually God, the father rose him. So when he's resurrected and he spends on earth and he ascends, I think it's 40 days later, that's it. There's no more Jesus. Jesus's testimony is done. He's gone. He's still very much alive and present. I mean, he's sitting at the right hand of the father, but he's not here. Yeah. Like the Holy Spirit is here. Right. The Holy Spirit is here. He's in us. He's with us. And we think, oh, you know, it's the Lord Jesus. And really like we kind of negate the work of the Holy Spirit. 
Yeah. We're so focused on what God has done, what Jesus has done. That's great. Right. And I don't want to, you know, put that down. It's just, but it works in conjunction with what the Holy Spirit's doing now. Right. It's almost like we forget the memo that Jesus left us saying, hey, I'm leaving you. Right. But don't worry. I'm leaving you with my Holy Spirit. Absolutely. And we've almost kind of forgotten that. It's like, yeah, really ties in with point one and point two. This next point I've experienced through counseling myself. And I think a lot of people don't know how to grasp this. Even if you hear it right now, you should just take a moment and like brace yourself what I'm about to say. The old man versus the new man. Like think about what that means. The book of Romans is packed with this. It says it over and over again. So Paul talks about a lot about the old man and the new man and the work of the Holy Spirit to bring that about. So I think many believers, they, they get through the salvation process. Like, okay, I've trusted that God is my Savior. I believe what Jesus has done, resurrected, and he, I'm making him the Lord of my life. I'm going to follow him, and that's it. They don't get to the point of that person that struggles with sin and this and that. That's who I used to be. Right. And God has already given me a lot of victory through the Holy Spirit to sanctify me to become this new person. And it's mm-hmm. already a done thing. We're just embracing that and walking in it. Right. So. Yeah. Understanding the rebirth. Like yeah. the, it's not, you know, the whole born again Christian thing. Right. It's actually a real thing. I, I think it was Keith Green or maybe Larry Norman had a song called uh, Bullfrog and Butterfly. And it just <laughs> talked about, and the song just talked about how like bullfrog started as tadpoles. Right. And then they became something, a whole something totally else. And right. a butterfly started as a, you know, Totally. In a cocoon, it became a butterfly. And like, as Christians, we literally are born again. Right. Like a totally new creation. Totally. We, we will attach the title of like the butterfly to ourselves, but we don't really live that way. We still live every day as if we're that, right. You know, the worm that's just crawling about. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Totally. We don't, we're still like, we get, we get to this point where it's like salvation, the greatest thing on earth for us, the biggest experience. And then we just... Oh well, until I until I reach heaven, I just got to struggle through life, and you don't embrace the Holy Spirit of like helping you be the new man that you are that He's right. made you to be. Huge, huge. So, lastly, the biggest thing is uh, we're all about theology with no reality of the relationship with the Holy Spirit. Let me say that again: we're all about theology with no reality of the relationship of the Holy Spirit mm. or with the Holy Spirit. Basically, we appreciate who He is and His role. But we either don't know or don't choose to participate in that relationship mm. with the Holy Spirit. Like, I, I respect him. I know that he exists. I believe that. I'm appreciative of who he is and what he's done. I just haven't involved myself with what he's choosing to do in me. Right. Recognizing that, you know? Right, right. And inviting, yeah, him to be with you. <laughs> right. Every day and right. to be next to you. And Yeah, so like those broken relationships you have or that hard experience at school, or, you know, whatever it is, whatever physical ailment you're going through, like the Holy Spirit is at work in a lot of ways that, that it's not that you haven't seen it, but you may have not chosen to view it from the Holy Spirit as something he's doing in your life. So right. the Holy Spirit doesn't just move in miracles. He, he moves in a lot of ways through other people and circumstances that we choose not to see, I think, in a lot yeah. of ways. Yeah. And so if we would learn to open our eyes to that, I think we would have a lot more enjoyable time here on earth, mm. you know, helping other people and realizing what he's right. doing in us and through us. Those are good thoughts, man. Powerful stuff. It's so challenging and a uh, really good stuff to talk about. And I think this is a podcast that honestly, people are going to probably rewind and listen to two or three times. Hopefully. Hopefully. Yeah. I just did. to like ingest it and try to figure it out because I think so many times we're satisfied 
with just surface level, you know, theology. Even. Right. You know, like where we need to like be talking about the meat of it. Yeah. And I think uh, we need to be feeding ourselves with that kind of thing. So totally. Dude, good talking with you about this. Absolutely. Thanks for joining us on this Luke Community Podcast. We will see you. See you guys.